Hello there, music teacher friends. Welcome to episode number 86 of the Beyond Measure podcast. Christina Whitlock here. I hang out here each week as your anytime piano teacher friend, and mostly because studio teacher life is just unlike pretty much any other profession. So I am incredibly glad we can connect in solidarity right here. Welcome, welcome. One quick reminder before we dive in today, if you enjoy this podcast and want to help keep it happening, please do consider joining my community over on Patreon. You can choose to support the show for as little as $3 per month. It's the coolest thing. It costs you very little individually, but because there is power in numbers, those small contributions add up quickly and allow me to keep this show a priority in my creative life. If you are interested in supporting the show, please do head over to patreon.com slash beyondmeasurepodcast. That link is in the show notes for you. And of course, as always, I just want to say whatever support you are able to throw my way in whatever form that may be, it is so appreciated. All right, let's go. All right, well, today is the day. As promised last week, today we chat about how to downsize your studio roster. I recognize that this is an enviable problem for many of you, and if you find yourself on the opposite side of this need, I would highly recommend jumping backwards to last week's episode and hear my best tip for building your studio roster. But just like I mentioned last week, I think we are all just one unexpected life occurrence away from needing to move our studios in a different direction, whether that is recruiting more students or removing some of them from our schedules. So, since we are focused on downsizing today, let's first just address the fact that there are many reasons you might find yourself in a position to intentionally reduce your student load. Perhaps you have taken on a new job. Congratulations! (laughs) One that feeds a different need or a different strength in your life. Perhaps you have an aging family member who needs more of your care and you just find yourself unable to manage your studio and the responsibilities you feel towards that loved one. Maybe it's your own health. I mean, there are many curveballs life can throw at us that would require us to take a step back and focus on our own well-being. This list, of course, can go on and on. Whatever the case may be, this episode is for anyone who needs to undergo the painful process of shrinking their studio. I'm going to start with the bad news, and that's the fact that there is no rule book for how to downsize your studio. (laughs) Oh, how I wish there was a manual. (laughs) But like so many things in our profession, this is an area where we 
pretty much just have to spend copious amounts of time thinking, weighing our options, talking it over with other teacher friends, and ultimately making the best decision that we are able to make in the moment. I want you to stop obsessing over this idea of making the quote-unquote perfect decision, okay? (laughs) Because after ample amounts of time spent weighing the possibilities of your options, there comes a point where it's just time to choose, friends. (laughs) That's the call. You just have to choose. (laughs) Can you tell that this is my current plight in life and I'm a little stirred up about it? (laughs) I'll throw you a little backstory in my life. So I have downsized my studio roster twice before. My girls, my daughters, are six years apart in age and I slashed my studio numbers prior to each of their births. But in each of those cases, I already had significant numbers of graduating seniors and families who had unexpectedly moved out of the state, and those situations just almost remedied themselves. Seven years ago, when I was downsizing with my youngest, I decided that there was no one that I wanted to stop teaching. I mean, I swear it's true, not a single one. (laughs) And I simply just moved anyone who came in those after-school hours down to a 30-minute lesson. I know, I know. (laughs) Do I prefer a longer lesson than 30 minutes? 100% yes. But doing so has allowed me to keep all the kiddos that I wanted to teach in the years since. But this past year, the 2021-22 school year, I somehow found myself accepting just way too many students. I think it was mostly because I started several over the summer that I thought I would have room for come fall, (laughs) but it ended up really pushing my limits. Since I do have two young daughters, it is obviously not ideal for me to be teaching from the time they get home from school until the time they really should be going to bed. But I felt kind of stuck due to multiple life circumstances, so I just ponied up and I did it for this year. (laughs) It was fine, but it wasn't pretty. (laughs) I finished last year feeling so desperate to make some big changes in my teaching hours, but also just completely heartsick over not wanting to lose any of my students. This is the price we pay for developing a business based on relationships, right? (laughs) I say it all the time, but investing heavily in the relationships you have with your students can absolutely be a recipe for heartache. But it's also one of those teacher risks that I consider worth taking. And I know many of you feel my pain. So anyway, I ended the school year with 48 students on my roster. I had three graduating, so that helped a little bit, but I needed more to go, specifically during those after-school hours. It should be noted that about half of my students do come during the day because they are either homeschooled or they are retired adults. 
So students needed to go. But how do I figure out who stays and who gets the boot? <laughs> well, I try very hard to honor longevity in my studio. And I do this in many ways. But because of that, I contemplated just simply looking at my studio roster and thinking about it chronologically and cutting the most recent additions to the studio and calling it a day. That certainly seems fair, right? I mean, it was an easy solution and it probably works for some of you. But, oh man, some of these newer students I have are just too fantastic to work with and I could not bring myself to cut them out. Plus, I feel like I just get better and better teaching those early elementary students, and I am just so excited to see where they end up in a couple more years. <laughs> I love that long game of teaching too much, so I decided I could not bring myself just to cut my newest students. It was not going to happen. <laughs> Jokingly, do you know what I really wanted to do? <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but... I really wanted to just take reservations for the fall semester in like a silent auction style. <laughs> As in like, hey families, tell me what you're willing to pay for ne lessons next year and the top 20 are going to make it in. <laughs> I know, I know, that sounds terrible. And of course, I am kidding. Though there's sort of a part of me that would love to know how that would have shaken out. <laughs> So, with those plans shot down, my business brain had to come out in full force. And before we go any further, here's the deal. None of us studio teachers really want money to be the defining force behind our work. I know. We care about these students. And sometimes those students who you just adore and are so hardworking also come from families with lesser financial means. There is a time and a season for accepting students on scholarship and through the Music Link Foundation and all of those things. I have worked with a lot of low-income families in the past, and I will do it again in the future. But Right now, I've had to come to the decision that, for me, <laughs> this season, when it comes down to it, teaching is my job. And I love these students, but I also have to remember that, <laughs> oh yeah, I have my own children, and I actually love them even more. So missing all of those after-school hours with them... Well, that means that that time comes at an incredibly high cost to me. So, like many of you, I do consider teaching a calling and a lifestyle and a ministry of sorts. And I know that I am helping these students far beyond the studio walls. But all things considered, if I didn't have actual bills to pay right now... I probably would quit teaching and hurl myself into like full-time mom mode and some hefty volunteering right now. So to my teacher friends who struggle with this whole spirit of generosity surrounding teaching, it's okay to remember that you have a studio to make money. <laughs> 
It might not be the only reason, but it can be a primary reason. It doesn't make you a heartless person. I pour oodles of heart into my job, just like I'm sure you do. It's just become customary for a lot of teachers to feel like the financial pursuits are somehow selfish or something. When no, that's not it at all. But making money is kind of the point of doing what I'm doing right now in the way that I'm doing it. (laughs) At least at this point, when it means that I'm missing out on big chunks of my kids' lives by teaching. There might come a point in the future where I feel differently, but at least for now, here we are. I have to say that this all came as a bit of a surprise to me, honestly, because I have always envisioned maintaining a really big studio and just kind of making my family deal with it. I mean, there are so many positives to the piano teacher lifestyle that I just always counted these evening hour trade-offs as part of it. Well, friends, this is the year that broke me. (laughs) I am over it. (laughs) I want to be available for homework help and cross-country meets and, oh yeah, making sure my own kids are practicing their own instruments. (laughs) So... We haven't really yet discussed the solution to this crisis at hand, have we? (laughs) What to do, what to do. Your solutions for your own personal downsize will probably vary from mine. But since experience is the best teacher, I will share my current plan with you. So my actual solution is twofold. First of all, yes, several of you will be very happy to know that I am jumping onto the group piano instruction wagon. (laughs) I have ordered four high-quality digital pianos, and I am offering one group of four students each evening, Monday through Thursday. I will still be offering two private lessons each evening as well, but group options, of course, are allowing me to keep more students. We'll talk more about this in a future episode, I'm sure, but I am excited and also very intimidated by all the possibilities here. The group classes have been largely very well received by my students' families. I have some parents who are skeptical, of course, and I mean, that's to be expected. I don't blame them, and I try really hard not to take it personally. All right, so point number one, I'm implementing some group classes. Secondly, of course, you know it was coming, I raised tuition significantly. Yes, in this economy. (laughs) Now look, you need to know your community and your student base and, of course, what you bring to the table as an educator. Different studios can handle different levels of tuition increases this year. My hope was to decrease my roster by at least 10 students solely based on this rate increase. It sounds harsh, but I was really just trying to discourage 10 students from signing back up based on my hike in tuition. As of now, it looks like I have only lost four. My families have been overwhelmingly sweet, and they are very eager to let me know that they are willing to pay. 
(laughs) It's incredibly humbling and endearing. Because I know you're curious, I'll say right now that I am not planning on sharing my tuition rates here on the podcast. It just varies too much by community to be relevant here. But if it helps to know, students this next fall who opt into the group classes will be seeing a 16% increase over last year's tuition, and private lesson tuition is being raised 40% from last year. So the short version of the story is this. I raised tuition significantly, and I also moved to some group class offerings to accommodate more students in fewer hours. My projected plan reduces my after-school teaching hours by about seven hours every week, uh, but it leaves me making a little bit more money than I made last year. I want the record to show that there are plenty of things you can do if you need to slim down your studio that don't involve raising tuition, moving to group lessons, working by seniority in the studio, or even my wacky silent auction strategy that I mentioned earlier. You can do things like implement practice or attendance requirements. You know, if you're in a season where you only want to teach students who are consistently practicing, you can downsize your studio by communicating those new expectations in a respectful way. You can also look at ways to downsize your offerings. Perhaps you can still keep the same number of students, but you want to offer fewer recitals or stop participating in a particular festival. Perhaps you want to take more vacation time or just more time off. This is a big one that I'm a huge fan of, by the way. Obviously, this is a topic impossible to cover entirely in a 20 or so minute podcast episode, but I will leave you with my takeaways from this experience. Number one, did I lose students over my price increase? Yeah, I mean, again, that was the point. Number two, did that still hurt? Absolutely. Look, none of us like being told that someone doesn't see our worth in what we're charging for our services. And to my studio family's credit, everyone was quite kind about it. Only one parent flat out told me that she thought I was being unreasonable, and even she was pretty nice about it. Really, it came down to the fact that the four families who left over the price increase are honestly just not a good fit for my studio. They are the students who miss too many lessons, which of course makes sense. They don't want to pay higher tuition when they miss so much of the time. Um, Some of them just have too many other interests. Or, you know, in one case, their time here has just run its course. But even still, I really am incredibly sad not to be working with those kids this year. I really will miss them terribly. Because again, investing in students does sometimes result in heartbreak. (laughs) But what am I gaining in return here? Even though my switch to group instruction is causing me legit a lot of anxiety, it's also really invigorating. I loved teaching group piano when I was in college, and I'm excited to see how it goes here from home. 
And of course, I'm gaining time with my people, my girls and my husband. Time we are not going to get back. And for the record, I'm still teaching two hours every evening, so I'm still going to miss some things. It just won't be to the extent that I experienced this past year. Phew, this is all so heavy, and all of this talk requires a toast. (laughs) Music teacher friends from all over the world, whatever your current position is, I hope I have empowered you today to make the choices that are going to make you the healthiest, best version of your teacher self. No one is going to be waiting with a trophy for you at the end of your teaching career to celebrate the fact that you ran yourself into the ground. (laughs) I don't know what it is about teachers and musicians that compels us to live our lives on the edge of exhaustion all the time, but I don't know, maybe it's because I just turned 40. I am over it. (laughs) When I was young, I thought I would have this kind of mentality forever And bless those of you who still do. But I wholeheartedly believe that sustaining yourself in any teaching profession comes from setting good boundaries and learning to value the things that you need in your life to make you feel like yourself. So with that, this is me raising my glass to you, my multifaceted teacher friends. Cheers to feeling more like ourselves. Hear, hear. This was a big one, my friends, I know. (laughs) Thank you for allowing me this outlet to work out my own personal perspectives. Y'all help me so much. (laughs) If you find yourself struggling with making decisions for the upcoming months, whether that be with changes in your studio roster or policy implementations or overall teaching philosophy, I do still have two openings for teacher consultations this month, and I would love to help you work through your doubts and your fears so we can get you feeling more like your true self. So be sure to hit me up on social media or email me or leave me a voicemail via the link in the episode notes for this show. Come find me and let's see if we can work something out because I would love to help you. Thanks for hanging with me, my teacher friends. Until next week, I will leave you with Onward and Upward. (laughs) Let's chat soon.